Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here to continue on in our series, Choose Kindness, because I just believe that our world needs more kindness. I believe that today we need to become people of kindness. I believe that if we want to know what will change the world starting right here in Niagara, what will change our neighbors' lives, our lives, our communities, I really deeply believe that it is kindness. And the reason that I believe this is because what we have learned last week is that kindness is not in any way weak or vague, that kindness is incredibly strong, that kindness is powerful, that kindness is impactful. And the reason that we know this is because kindness is at the very heart of God. That what we learned last week, if you're just joining with us, is that at the heart of God is this Hebrew concept called hesed. And what it really means is this loyal, loving kindness that God has for us. And so today we want to build off of this. We want to continue on to explore how can we become kindness people. Because I just believe, anyone want to say amen to this, that Christians are called to be kind. Amen? Christians are called to be kind. And this is needed so much more in our day and age. Because as I shared last week, that there is a disappearance of kindness in our world. I just think in all that's going on in our social lives, in our political, governmental lives, all of that sort of thing that is happening around us, that what we could use more of is kindness. And I don't believe that our current world and society is just going to magically make us kind. I believe that this is actually something that we can grow in, that this is something we can actually practice. And this is hopeful for us. Because what we know is that kindness is not just a trait you are born with. Kindness is actually something that you can grow into and mature into. Jamil Zaki, who I mentioned last week, he puts it this way. He says, through practice, we can grow our empathy and become kinder as a result. And that's what I believe we should all be doing. Uh, Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we should all be becoming kinder people. And so today, today I want to explore how we can do that. And I want to do that by uh, by diving into a book uh, that often we don't kind of look through systematically. And we're going to take a look through the book of Proverbs here today. So what I want to do today is I want to explore this book of Proverbs and we're going to take a look at every single uh, instance where we find this word hesed or kindness or God's loyal loving kindness. And so we're going to take a look at this and we're going to see specifically about how to practice it. But before we dive deeper into the book of Proverbs, I need to just share about two things about it. First, what the book is all about. And then secondly, how we practice what Proverbs teaches us. So the first thing, um, just to make it clear what the book of Proverbs is all about, it's actually all about teaching us to be wise, about how to live rightly in a complex world. And I think that this is needed now more than ever. We need to know how to live in the complex world that we find ourselves in. And Proverbs at the very beginning uh, outlines what it's, the book is all about. We read this. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, here's where uh, Solomon's going to tell us what the purpose of this book is. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the, insets, uh, the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. I believe that this is something that we need today. We need to be able to learn how to live rightly, justly, and fair, and with kindness, and that's what we're going to explore. But before we dive deeper into it, I do need to mention what wisdom is in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, just so we are clear, wisdom is not knowing things and being smart, okay? Not in the book of Proverbs. That it is quite possible for someone to have many degrees, multiple PhDs, and to know lots of things, but still make profoundly unwise choices. It is equally possible the other way for someone to maybe not have finished high school or not to know lots of complex, obscure knowledge, but to make really wise decisions. That wisdom and intellect or wisdom and being smart, these are not the same things. What wisdom is, wisdom is knowing how to live rightly in a complex world. And so to help us understand this, what Proverbs does is Proverbs doesn't give us rules to follow, but principles to live by. I want to say that again because it really matters. That what Proverbs gives to us aren't rules to follow, but principles to live by. Principles to apply and discern and to interpret. That is really important. 
Proverbs is not giving us rules to follow. And we know this really distinctly. And I'm going to read to you two Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. And notice how they are directly contradictory. And they come right after one another. So we read this in Proverbs 26. It says, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you'll become as foolish as they are. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you'll become as foolish as they are. The very next verse says this, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. And if you notice, these Proverbs are directly contradictory. This is because Proverbs, when it's teaching us to be wise, it is not giving us rules to follow, but principles to interpret and to discern and to apply. That sometimes, sometimes, honestly, if somebody's being foolish, engaging with them is just not helpful. At other times, if somebody's being foolish, engaging with them is absolutely necessary. The difference is, uh, is in knowing when to do this. That's what wisdom is. So when it comes to Proverbs, it's going to give us these practical insights to seek to apply and to discern and to really actually live out in our modern day. And so what I want to do is explore, as I said, all the different instances of Hesed in the book of Proverbs, seeing how we can become more kind as people to follow in, especially in this heart of God. And so what we're going to notice really is three general themes. That first, first, that kindness matters for your personal life. Second, that kindness matters immensely for our corporate, social, political lives. And then lastly, that kindness really matters because there are consequences to not following it. So I want to begin with exploring this idea that kindness matters for our personal lives. And I want to begin by reading Proverbs 3, verse 3, where we find the very first mention of hesed, of this loyal, loving kindness that we explored last week. It says this, never let loyalty or kindness leave you. Okay? Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. And their kindness is that word hesed. It says, tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Here, what the author Solomon is really telling, teaching us is just this importance that kindness matters, that we should never leave home without them, that we need to tie them around our neck and write them on our heart, that what we are called to do as people is to prioritize kindness, this loyal, loving kindness, this said, that we are actually to live with it. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in his excellent translation of this um, in the message, he puts it this way. He says, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. This is what Proverbs want to remind us of, that we shouldn't be losing our grip on love and loyalty and kindness and has said that these things matter. This is also uh, emphasized in another verse, the importance of kindness. Solomon says this, many will say that they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? And there that word loyal is again, that word has said, right? That loyal, loving kindness. And so here Proverbs and Solomon reminds us that when we're looking for friendships, that kindness matters immensely, that this matters to our personal relationships, to our personal lives. And then Solomon will tell us why uh, this kindness, this said, really matters in the uh, verse a little bit later. He says this, he says, unfailing love, that's the word said, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. Let me read to you that verse again, because it's really actually quite, like, it's quite amazing. It's quite shocking in some ways. Listen to what uh, the, uh, Solomon says actually makes atonement for sin. It says, unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. What Solomon is teaching us is that has said this loyal, loving kindness, that when we practice it, when we put it into action, that this will make atonement for sin. This will cleanse and cover sin. This will actually rectify and reconcile relationships and things that are broken. This is why kindness is anything but weak. Okay? Kindness is incredibly powerful because what can kindness do? It can make atonement for sin. It can bring people back together. It can cover wrongs. This is why it is incredibly important in our personal lives to be practicing, has said, this loyal, loving kindness. Because as the, uh, Solomon, King Solomon puts it, he says, unfailing love, or has said, and faithfulness make atonement for sin. 
So the first thing that we can see really clearly in the book of Proverbs when it comes to being people of kindness is that it matters immensely in our personal lives, that we need to pursue being people of kindness. Second thing that we see is actually it also matters in our corporate, social, kind of larger lives that we live in here um, in the world that we are part of. So we read this. I want to read to you Proverbs 16, 6. Unfailing love, or said. it says this, unfailing love, or said, and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. Let me read to you that again. Unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. I generally don't make a ton of political statements, uh, but I'm gonna make one today, that I don't believe that anybody should be le leading in anything who isn't kind. That if you wanna know my personal political stance on everything, it's that kindness matters. And the reason that I believe that is because the scripture and the Bible so clearly teaches it. Listen to what uh, the King Solomon says. He says that unfailing love or has said and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. What he's talking about there when he says his throne is made secure through love, he's talking about the reign and the rule of the king. That if you want to know back in his day and age, the thing that made a king's reign just and right and made it secure, it was said. It was this unfailing, loyal, loving kindness. That that's what's called to be practiced. Here, what Solomon is reminding us is, is that anybody who is leading, what they're called to practice is actually loyal, loving kindness. That kindness is that to be the heart of any leader. And I just think, I think that we should just take this incredibly seriously. Like imagine if we only voted for people who were kind. Like imagine if we let this verse really direct our political activity. Imagine if when we saw different politicians or people in leadership in any different space, imagine if we asked the question, are they kind? Is kindness a habit? Is kindness something that they practice? Because I think we have forgotten this in the West. I think instead we've seen kindness as a disadvantage, as a weakness, and we've inverted this. So instead we elect people who are like strong and make hard decisions and all of that. And that's why I think we end up with people who can be bullying rather than truly kind at their hearts. But I think we need to take this passage incredibly seriously because Solomon says, unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. Or Eugene Peterson translates it with a bit more poetic imagination this way. He says, love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity. Anyone want to say amen to that? Like, just listen to this. This is how the Bible speaks. Love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity. Isn't that what we need from the people who lead us and who are part of leadership? That kind of thing is what the Bible teaches us, that we need kindness, has said, a part of the leaders who are around us. And the Proverbs goes on to say that even if we don't have this, it's actually a disgrace. Listen to Proverbs 14, 34. Godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And here the word has said is actually translated in a negative way where it says disgrace. That when we don't have kindness, when we don't have godliness, when we don't have right relationships with one another, it's a disgrace. It's what we learn when we take a look at this word has said in the book of Proverbs. We learn that it's important for our personal lives. We also then learn that it's important for our corporate communal lives that we are living here in the society we're a part of. And that thirdly, what we're going to learn is that there are consequences to not following the way of kindness. And there are rewards if we do choose to follow it. Listen to how um, uh, Solomon puts it in Proverbs 11. He says this, he says, your kindness has said will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Someone says, he says, your kindness has said will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Solomon says that if we practice kindness, there will be rewards. And I just think this might be one of the most countercultural things to say right now, because I don't believe that our world really practices kindness or actually elevates kindness. So often we are so quick to fight for our rights, demand things, and argue and all of that. 
where kindness kind of gets sidelined. But here, uh, the, uh, the King Solomon is so absolutely clear that kindness will reward you. And when it says the word reward you, the word you there in Hebrew is another complex word. It's actually the word called nefesh. And what this word means, it can be translated really variously. It can be translated as life, mind, heart, appetite, throat even. Or often what's translated in the Bible, it's often translated as soul. So when, when uh, King Solomon says that your kindness will reward you, he's saying that it will reward your heart, mind, soul, every part of aspect of your life, that kindness will actually fill your heart and your soul and your spirit. That that's the reward it will bring. That when you practice kindness, when you practice said, there will be a reward for you and for those around you. I think this is something that we need. Because I don't know about you, but I know that for me, um, in all that's kind of going on, it can feel a little bit weighty. It can feel wearying. Anybody else out there just tired with all that's going on? Or maybe just feeling a bit flat, like you don't quite have the same sort of energy that we would normally do. Well, according to this passage here, what the King Solomon is teaching us is that kindness is a reward for us. Kindness will actually fill our nefesh, our souls, our spirits. That's what's going on. So he says that there are real consequences and rewards, that if we follow kindness, we will be rewarded. But then the opposite is also true. Um, but your cruelty will destroy you. That if you don't follow kindness, there'll be destruction, there'll be waste, there'll be difficulty around you. That word cruel in Hebrew is azari. And what it literally means is not only cruelty, but it has this fierceness to it as well. That what will happen to you is that you will be fiercely cruel, not only to those people around you, but also to yourself. That's what Solomon is getting at. That if you take this passage seriously, he's teaching that if you don't follow the way of kindness, that there will be cruelty that will follow, and you'll end up being cruel not only to those around you, but also to yourself. And I mean, honestly, if we pause and think about our society and our culture, is this not what we're seeing? Don't we see people who have given up on the way of kindness that they end up being cruel not only to other people, but also to themselves? That cruelty always kind of turns backward inward and that you will actually be reaping destruction that you are choosing. This is why, again, Eugene Peterson does a great job with this translation, saying when you're kind to others, you help yourself. And when you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. This is just true. And this idea of the rewards of kindness and the consequences of not following it continue in other verses as well. In Proverbs 14, we read, if you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good though, you will receive hesed and faithfulness. That there are real consequences to not choosing to follow this path and the rhythm of kindness. And do you wanna know why there are consequences to not choosing the path of kindness? Because if it is true, as we learned last week, and it is, that a God's very heart is kindness and has said that when we choose to not live with that, we are actually running contrary to how God's created the world to work. We're actually running contrary to his kingdom and his universe. This is why it's so important. This is why uh, Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and has said will find life righteousness and honor, because that is how God has designed this world to actually work. That if we pursue has said, we will find life, righteousness and honor. So if you want to be respected, if you want integrity, if you want to actually pursue righteousness, right relationships with one another, Solomon's really clear, we have to prioritize and pursue hesed. And that when we do this, when we do this, other people will actually notice. This is why Proverbs 19 says, loyalty or hesed makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor than dishonest. Okay? And so with that, those are all the different passages that mention this word that we learned last, last week of hesed in the book of Proverbs. And as I said, there are three real themes that we see. We see first this idea of the importance of hesed and kindness in our individual lives, where we read that unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. We also uh, read that never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. 
Second, we really learn that also kindness is needed for our society to function, that this really matters for us to be putting it into practice corporately together. Right? We read this, that love and truth form a good leader. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity, or unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. And then lastly, we learn that there are real consequences to whether we follow the way of kindness or not. We read that when you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt yourself. Or we read, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. Or we read, if you plan to do evil, you will be lost. You'll be lost. But if you plan to do good, you will receive, has said, this loyal, loving kindness and faithfulness. So what do we learn through all this? I think we learn really something that's pretty clear. That kindness matters. It matters to our world around us. And there are consequences if we choose to ignore it. Right? That kindness matters. It matters to the world around us. And there are consequences if we choose to ignore it. So what's my main point today? My main point is just that we really need to be kindness people. That's my main point. That if we're going to follow God, if we're going to follow the scriptures, we're going to follow even what Solomon teaches us here, we need to be kindness people. We need to write it on our hearts, to wear it around our necks, to never forget it, or to lose our grip on kindness. We are called to be kindness people. The question, though, the question, though, is how do we do this? How do we actually grow in this? That as we learned, that even as Jamil Zaki said to us, that we can actually grow in this. It's not a trait that we just get and that there's no ability to actually deepen it or mature it. So how do we grow in being people of kindness? Well, today I want to give you three suggestions. I want to get quite practical today. I want to give you three suggestions based actually on the different passages that we just read, on the different verses. And the three suggestions are this. I want to invite you first to cut out obstacles to kindness. Then second, to choose kind friends and to be a kind friend. And thirdly, to actually create a kindness commitment. So I want to explain what I mean by this. That first, first, I think if we're going to become kindness people, I think a practical next step, because remember, when we're talking about Proverbs, these are all things that aren't just rules to follow. They're really meant to be uh, practices for us to apply and to discern and to really put into practice in our lives, right? They're principles to be practiced. So when it comes to this idea of kindness, I want to invite you to really think through, first of all, are there any obstacles to kindness in your life? Are there things that are stopping you from being kind? That if we take this verse seriously, where we read, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty, I think a good way to actually apply this to our lives is to ask the question, what is it in our lives that is actually causing us to lose our grip on love and loyalty? And what I want to do today is I want to suggest you two things that are likely a part of the majority of our lives that are actually causing us to lose a grip on love and loyalty. And so what those are, are the internet and busyness. As I said at the very beginning, that when it comes to wisdom, this is not just like hard and fast rules. They're actually about principles to be applied. So when it comes to the internet, I think that the internet can be incredibly wonderful. It can connect friends from you know, great distances. If you're a person with disability, it is right now an amazing way for you to actually connect with others out there. In a pandemic, the internet is absolutely crucial in being able to connect with other people. Yet with all of this, what we also know is that social media is killing kindness. This is unquestionably true, actually, right now. What we've learned psychologically is that social media is actually becoming a barrier to kindness, or that social media actually causes people to lose a grip on kindness. That there is actually almost an alarming statistic that the more a country uses the internet, the less empathy and kindness is a part of that country. Jamil Zaki puts it this way for why. He says that individuals who spend relatively more time on the internet, social media, and gaming platforms, what they report is greater trouble understanding one another that the more we're on the internet, actually, it creates greater trouble understanding one another. And he goes on to point out why. He says, even though we can see anyone online, we often use that power to narrow, not broaden, our perspective. Inundated with more stories and statistics than we could ever hope to process, we ch must choose where we point our attention. 
And he says that opportunity feeds our laziest psychological impulses. We seek out facts that match what we already believe, and we encase ourselves in an echo chambers of the like-minded. We also gravitate towards stories that are emotionally affirming us, using empathy to demonstrate that we were right all along. This actually should wake us up to some of the challenges that we're facing in the world. Let me read to you some of those really key points again, that even though we can see anyone online, we often use that power to narrow, not broaden our perspective. This is why if you spend more time on the internet and social media and all of that, it tends to actually not lead to more kindness. He says, we seek out facts that match what we already believe, which is true. And we encase ourselves in echo chambers of the like-minded. And this is a problem. So when it comes to actually making sure that we do not lose our grip on love and loyalty, what I want to suggest to you first is just this, is to spend less time on the internet, okay? To spend less time on social media. Did you know in 2007, the average adult spent 17 minutes on their phone? Today, it's up to over four hours a day. So I want to invite you to actually cut down on the amount that you're on the internet. And when you are there, please use it to broaden, to listen to wider voices, to have more diversity of voices, not to just uh, go to people who absolutely agree with everything that you already do. I want to invite you to use the internet wisely. Okay? And this leads me then to my second uh, point, that if we learn to use the internet wisely, we actually might have more time. Because when it comes to kindness, one of the things that we know is that busyness kills kindness. That busyness causes us to lose a grip on love and loyalty and kindness and has said that busyness actually causes us to not practice what we are called to practice. There's a really classic study on this actually. And what uh, researchers did was they asked uh, certain people uh, to go in to give a speech. And so they sent them across campus. And what they did then was they gave people different amount of times to get across of campus. And while they're going across campus to actually get into the space where they were supposed to be speaking, they had an actor play that they were hurt and suffering and sick and in pain and in trouble. And what they found was that those people who had lots of time, extra time, they stopped and helped the person who was sick right in front of them. But the people who didn't have extra time, who were tight for time, who were incredibly busy, who had to make it across there and could barely make it, those people never really stopped to actually help the person who was sick and hurting. And do you want to know the kicker with all of this? Do you want to know what those uh, people were doing? Those people who were going across campus were actually seminary students, and they were going to go preach on the, uh, what's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you aren't familiar with that parable, what that parable is all about is helping those in need who you come across. So what they learned literally was that there was these seminarians or these pastors-to-be who were so busy and were so stressed that they rushed across campus, missing an opportunity to help someone who was right in front of them to then preach about the necessity to help those people who are right in front of you. And so what this means is that these you know, seminarians and these pastors-to-be, they were not bad people. What they found instead was that busyness actually cuts out our best interests, our best impulses, and it actually causes us to be less kind. That when we have less margin in our life, we are less likely to be kind. This is why I want to invite you to really prioritize kindness, and that means cutting out busyness. I actually think uh, this verse gets at that in a little bit of ways, saying, whoever pursues righteousness and has said and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. That we need to prioritize it in our lives and to not let busyness push out kindness that we are called to show. So when it comes to practicing kindness practically, what I want to invite you to do uh, for the first step is really to think about what is causing you to maybe lose your grip on kindness or an obstacle to practicing kindness. I like to suggest to you that there are two, the internet and busyness, and that these are things we need to start to reduce in our lives so that we can become more kind. Secondly, what I want to invite you to do when it comes to becoming a kindness person, I want to invite you actually to choose your friends wisely. Okay? I want to invite you to choose your friends wisely. And here's why. Because the people that you surround yourself with most closely, you will end up resembling. 
Okay? The people you surround yourself with most closely you will end up resembling. This is why teenagers, your parents freak out over the choices of friends you make. Because they know that if the friend group you're a part of becomes caustic, negative, and sarcastic, and difficult, that's likely how you will end up becoming. This is the truth for all of us. That the people we most closely surround our lives with, we end up resembling. And so this is why I want to invite you to choose your friends wisely, to actually choose friends who are kind, who practice has said, who actually want to seek to live in this world with loving, loyal kindness. This is why we read about this in multiple places in the book of Proverbs. It says where many will say that they are loyal friends, but who can truly find one who is truly reliable? That we're called to actually find reliable friends, that it's hard, but it's necessary. We also read when Solomon teaches us that when you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, you hurt your others and you hurt yourself. Solomon is being really clear here that if we surround ourselves with people who are unkind, we are going to be hurt. So what I want to invite you to do is to really choose your friends wisely. Now, obviously, obviously remember that these are principles to be applied, not rules to be followed. So when I say to choose your friends wisely, I'm not saying that we can't ever engage with people who are unkind. No, no, we need to because our world um, needs uh, life and love and grace. And we are called to change the world starting right here in Niagara. So what that means is that we're going to have to encounter and engage with people who might think differently than us and who might be unkind or difficult or whatever, right? That's part of our calling as Christians. What I'm inviting you to think through is just really who are the closest friends that you have? Who are you letting into your inner circle and are they kind? Do they practice said? Because this matters for our lives. But you might be saying to yourself, but it's really hard to find good friends. When Solomon says, um, many will say that they are loyal friends, but who can truly find one who is truly reliable? You might be saying, yes, that's true in your life. It's really hard to find friends who have this loyal, loving kindness within them. So what do you do if that's the case? I want to invite you not only to choose kind friends, but then I think the next right step is actually to be a kind friend. That if you want to find friends who are actually full of hesed, that begins actually with becoming a person of hesed yourself. Because what does Solomon say? He says hesed makes a person attractive. That hesed draws people in. So become a person of said and loyal, loving kindness so that then you might actually have friends who also have the same attitudes and characteristics and actions. So when it comes to becoming people of kindness, I want to invite you to cut out some of the obstacles to kindness, things like the internet and busyness, and then secondly, to choose good friends who are kind and to be a kind friend. And then lastly, I want to invite you into something really specific. I want to invite you into actually creating a kindness commitment. That when, Solomon writes, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty, tie them around your neck, carve their initials in your heart. I want to invite you to take that incredibly seriously. That while for sure Solomon is speaking metaphorically, he is asking us to take this seriously. To take kindness so seriously that we tie them around our neck and carve their initials on our heart. He is inviting us really to make sure that we do not forget the practice of kindness. Do you want to know what I think the biggest danger with the sermon is? I think the biggest danger with the sermon is that you'll agree to it, you'll like it, and then forget to practice it. Right? So I want to invite you to actually create a kindness commitment, something that reminds you to practice kindness, something that reminds you to really, as Solomon says, to tie kindness around your heart, to tie said around your heart, to carve their initials on your heart. I want to invite you to really think about that. And so maybe what it is is a reminder on your phone that goes off and says, remember to be kind, because that matters in our world. Maybe what it is, is a note in your office or your school locker, whenever you can get back to school. And maybe it is a note there that reminds you to practice kindness. Maybe it's that you'll get a tattoo that says, practice kindness. I mean, that would be taking this pretty literally, where it says, carve their initials on your heart. Like, I think mean, that would be taking that pretty literally. But that's an option too, I guess. But here's what it looks like in our life. Okay? Here's our kindness commitment. This is what it looks like for our family. Then our family, I've been practicing having a Sabbath uh, for years. 
And for me, uh, Sabbath is on Friday. That's when I don't work. That's when I focus on my family. That's when I really turn off all notifications on everything and really just focus in on being with family and friends and living life, uh, especially in relationship with God and in his presence. And so what we do is we have this little uh, ritual that we do each and every Friday, that when the kids get home from school, what we do is all the kids gather around our kitchen table and I'll actually pray a prayer of blessing over each and every one of them about what I see within them, about how God is growing in them. And they'll often pray over one another as well. And then what we do every single Sabbath is we light a candle, as many um, people have throughout centuries. And then what we do is we recite actually our three family rules. And these are our three family rules. Our three family rules are the first that God and Jesus and mom and dad love us no matter what. That's what the kids recite every single week. And then they also recite our rule that, um, work, that we work hard to love one another. That honestly, it takes hard work and that matters. But the last rule that we recite every single week is that kindness matters. It's that kindness matters. And this is one of the ways that for us, we can try to remember this practice of being kind and how important it is. Now, of course, um, this kind of Sabbath ritual for us, at times it is incredibly deeply moving and connecting and spiritual and all of that. But you all know that I believe in being honest in church, okay? Sometimes it's also an utter disaster where I'm like close to yelling, please be quiet so we can remember that kindness matters, okay? It's not always perfect. And I don't uh, expect that even your kindness ritual or rhythm or commitment might be perfect either. But I think we need to get in the habit of remembering kindness. I think we need to take what Solomon says incredibly seriously, where he says, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. So how are you going to do that? How can you uh, remind yourself with? Maybe it's a reminder in your phone, as I said. Maybe it's a note. Maybe it's a commitment and a ritual like we have where once a week you sit down and remind yourself kindness matters. But I want to invite you and challenge you to actually come up with a kindness commitment, a way to remember to practice what we are learning throughout the series. So what's my main point today? My main point is that we are called to be people of kindness. And then practically, what does this mean? Well, the ways we can work it out practically are to cut out the obstacles to kindness, things like the internet and things like busyness. We can work on becoming a kind friend and choosing kind friends. And then we can also work to make sure we have a kindness commitment, something that reminds us to practice this world-changing, life-changing, life-altering reality of kindness. And kindness is world-changing. What is it that Paul says? He says that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's kindness that leads to change. It's kindness that leads to transformation. And it's kindness that we're called to practice. So this week, my challenge is, would you practice kindness? Would you practice kindness? Would you practice this has said, this loyal, loving kindness? And for our service, we found three different ways you can do that. Cut out obstacles to kindness. Would you choose kind friends? And then would you create a kindness commitment to remind yourself of the importance of this? And that's what I want to invite you to do today. So with that, would you join with me in prayer this morning? God, I ask and I pray, might we continue to be filled with kindness? Might we continue to receive it from you, but then might we practice it? Might we show it? Might we share it? Might we live it out in our families, our friends, and our neighborhoods? God, our world needs kindness. Our world needs kind people. Might we continue to be people who are kind and to grow in the depth of kindness that we receive from you? So I pray this week, Lord, might we find practical ways to actually be kind to one another. Will we continue to choose kind friends and to be a kind friend to one another? Will we remember this important um, statement on kindness to never lose our grip on it? And so might you help us with that and might we live obediently in line with that? And we pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. And so now... As we come to close our service, I want to invite you as we sing this song to really be uh, contemplating how we might continue to be kindness people and especially how you might create a commitment to remember to build your life on kindness and God's love and has said and faithfulness.